let's look to word, God, God's word now. Father, we pray that as we look at your word today, pray that uh, as we continue to look at the issue of prayer in our lives, that uh, you will make this, Lord, a practical message. Help me, Lord, to be able to communicate what you want to be known. Pray that uh, as we um, consider just all the wonderful things you revealed to us about prayer and about who you are, that... Uh, Help us to, to gain that knowledge that, and to put it into practice and to discover the wonder, uh, more of the wonder of our relationship with you through Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. We've been uh, begin talking some more. We started last week talking about the ministry of intercession and uh, uh, I want to continue that. But I also want, I uh, just felt the need in my heart to encourage you to, uh, to apply what the Lord's been revealing to us. Sometimes uh, I have to be, you know, it's one thing uh, to not do something because you don't know. It's another thing to have the knowledge and then you still don't do it, you know? And um, I always find that that's a little bit more of a problem with me and the Lord. That when he's revealed to me, it's, it's, it's one thing when I don't know, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And then uh, it's another thing when I know and God's given me all the breaks he possibly can and kind of just taken away the roadblocks and the hindrances and still I may allow things to get in the way of me obeying the way I should. You know what I mean? I think you do. I think we've all have been there. Yeah, when you don't, uh, you got the knowledge but yet still not quite disciplined enough to put it into practice the way you should. So I want to encourage you in that way today. Let's uh, look in the book of Ephesians. I was going to read to you a little extended portion of scripture uh, as we talk about the importance of prayer in our life and uh, especially uh, the, 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 the uh, it's not just a it's not, it's not a ritual, it's, just, it's not a, just a disciplined practice, but it's actually an actual um, activity that is a, it's a spiritual action that causes things to happen. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20, we begin reading what Paul has to say here. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Again, there's a lot of metaphors here for us to comprehend. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So you see, these are important things. The devil has a plan against us and we, God's given us tools here, tools to use. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And there's going to come a day when Jesus returns where people will know all these things are true. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, then stand firm. So you see what Paul is saying? Once you know what to do, now do it. Be sure to do it. Stand firm. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Of course, talking about the Word of God. The Word of God needs to encompass us. We need to take the Word of God in to our life. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. With the understanding, again, of God's Word and, and what Jesus has done for us. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, he said, take up the shield of faith. Uh, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
Now, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, and listen to this, with all kinds of prayers and requests. And we looked last week about what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2 about what those, all those prayers are. You know, there's supplications, there's petitions, there's intercessions and, and thanksgivings. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So Paul was telling these Ephesians and uh, he was telling the Ephesians how, you know, how much he needed, how much he needed their prayers. And uh, say, your pastor needs your prayers. I tell you, I need your prayers. You know, there's some days you think, boy, I struggled through that one today, you know. And I think you've been, if when you weren't praying for me, it would have been even worse, you know. But um, we need our prayers. You know, there's, there's, there are times when, uh, you know, you feel like, you ever feel like you're getting ready to witness to somebody and it's just like, there's a wall, you know. And uh, we, we need to pray for one another that uh, God would give us the freedom to be able to, like Paul is saying, to witness, to fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Again, we've been taking some time to discover how God uses us in prayer through the ministry of intercession. Paul instructed a young pastor, like I said, it's just a brief review, named Timothy, to teach the church that uh, he had the responsibility over the importance of learning the full gamut of prayer. There's a gamut, a full, a full range of prayer. So in your life, there's a range of prayer. There's, there's not just one way to pray. There's many, there's many ways, things that God wants you to, be, to participate in to have a full gamut of prayer activity. Um, and we need through practice to learn to make supplications, that is petitions, requests of God, things we need, other things people need. There's prayers, again, all kinds of prayers. There's prayers of joy and sorrow and there's prayers of, prayers of repentance and there's all kinds of uh, prayers Paul says that we should be praying. There's also intercessions, which we talked about last week, requesting help for someone else. It's not just that, but it's more. But, and then, of course, prayers of thanksgiving. And we talked last week how this uh, word of intercession is a special Hebrew word called paga. Paga. And it's a unique word with special, lots of special meanings. It means to meet, to fall upon, to join, to encounter, to entreat, uh, to touch, to attack, to hit the bullseye. And so we, we learned last week that making intercession is just not calling on the, it's just not making requests for people, but it's specifically saying, God, we are standing in the gap between them and you. And uh, when you look at them, I want you to see me. And I'm requesting that you have a meeting with them. <laughs> That's what intercession is. I'm asking, requesting that you have a meeting with them. And the Lord might say, well, I would have a meeting with them, but something else needs to happen first. So pray for this first. So the Lord may tell you to pray for something else. You know, he might. He might say, pray for this or pray for their protection today. Or, or anyway, the intercessor is in connection with the, with the Lord as he as your as your concern for them and you're you're part of asking God to minister to them that's really what intercession is so the main the, the, the main point is that you seek the Lord's presence in order that you might discover anything God would have you to know or to do as you stand in the gap preparing the way for the Holy Spirit to do whatever must be done to fall upon them that's another word to fall upon them 
Intercession means that the Lord falls upon somebody. There's a moment in time where they're just walking along, singing a song, and suddenly, wham, the Lord falls upon them. And that's what you've been praying for, that the Lord would fall upon them. Um, recently, know of a father and mother who've been praying for a, a wayward son. And uh, the, uh, you know, suddenly the Lord fell upon him after years of praying. The Lord fell upon him. And there was a, something changed in them. They start asking questions about, you know, what's right and what's wrong and how can I know what's truth and, and all of a sudden began seeking the Lord and uh, the father was you know the father was telling me that that, uh, that, uh, that the Lord showed him that he was going to place his glory upon his son he's going to reveal his glory to him so that's what intercession is it's where the Lord communicates with you and it's really a wonderful ministry all of us are involved, can be involved in that. And it doesn't happen every day. It's not like you're interceding for everybody. It's, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a special thing that happens uh, uh, for, for us where the Lord picks you out and says, pray for so-and-so. As, I mean, we should pray for everybody, of course. But I'm talking about this, this special intercession when you pray for somebody who's really a burden on your heart. Loved ones, the ministry of intercession, again, is predicated or it rests on the fact that you're connected to your Heavenly Father. First of all, with this confidence of his goodness and his love. I want to encourage you in that today. The reason why you can be an intercessor is because you're, you're confident of his love and his goodness. And you think about all, with all the ministry, with all the messages on love the last 50, 60 years, because we've almost overemphasized that part of the Lord, where to the neglect of other aspects of who he is. You think that we'd have that down by now, but we don't. A lot of times, even the most sincere children of God really wrestle with, does God really love me? They're not really, they're really not convinced of that yet, you know, that, that he really loves them. Because they have not had that experience. They are, their mind has false images of who he is, or their heart somehow doesn't see him clearly. Maybe something they were raised, maybe some, how they were raised, maybe a message they, they, did, they misunderstood or something. But anyway... To be able to intercede with confidence, I mean, you have to have this confidence that God is good and He's, he's loving. Um, prayer is a spiritual tool, loved ones. It's a, Paul calls it like a weapon here. But prayer, prayer is a tool, if you will. If you were a gardener, let me put it this way. If you were a gardener and you were going to go out and plant a garden, wouldn't you take some tools along with you? Yeah, if, if you're envisioning a garden... <laughs> Okay, I have this vision of a garden. Uh, if you're envisioning that, then you're going to take some tools. Uh, I know we've planted a garden, and I know you do need a shovel, and you need a hoe and a rake, and uh, some other things as, as, as well. Um, you know, sometimes you even need a, some people even have a planter, you know, or they have, they, they, uh, have a planter you know, machine. That, um, but let's think of it this way. Let's, let's look at this analogy here. Like if... Um, that if we're going to um, envision, say, a beautiful garden, we work with this tool of prayer to bring about a spiritual harvest, whether it be a new job, a victory over depression, or reclamation of a son or daughter for Jesus, or, or maybe even a flower of praise, so to speak. We have to have the tools, and prayer is our tool that we use. That's why prayer is so important to all of us, that prayer is the way we communicate what we want 
what we need, what somebody else needs, what, what, uh, what, how much we love God. So prayer is crucial in our life. Uh, if you're a mechanic, let's look at it this way. If you're a mechanic, um, it's like kind of having a, you know, like a, if you're looking at a, a car that you need to work on, you're going to need a wrench. You're going to need some tools to work on that engine to get it working uh, back, uh, put it back in right, right, right order. You might even need a hammer or a screwdriver. And you can think of that like, we need spiritual hammers. We need spiritual wrenches. We need spiritual uh, screwdrivers of faith in God, as we envision a well-tuned engine, we, we work with these tools with the goal of to repair or replace whatever is broken. Whatever is broken in order for an engine or for someone's life to run more balanced, more timed, more smooth. How about a soldier? Let's look at this, the one, one last one. Prayer is like a, a spiritual weapon. It's a rifle, a knife, a faith in God. As we envision a spiritual breakthrough, as we envision a victory, we work with this prayer tool to make advancements in God's kingdom. I'm trying to show you that prayer is absolutely essential to you as a Christian. You, you can't, it's not something that you want to neglect. You won't get anything done in your life without prayer. You won't get anything done in anybody else's life without prayer. You won't get anything done for the Lord without prayer. You won't. Prayer is an absolute essential tool. You can make the analogy of prayer to a baker or to a doctor. They each use tools of their own trade to make good things happen. Loved ones, let me tell you, that's what our faith, coupled with prayer, makes. Good things happen in people's lives. Prayer makes good things happen in people's lives. The good things of God. John Wesley said that nothing happens with the Lord unless we pray. I tell you, I could show you scriptures and we might focus on that eventually, but how that the Lord has ordained it to be that way. That it's through the prayers of God's people that He works. So if we decide, well, prayer's not that big a deal. Oh, yes it is. Nothing good of the Lord's going to happen unless you learn to pray. Unless you learn what the Bible is teaching us about prayer. You know, you know gardens don't grow overnight but require cultivation and attention and mechanical repairs don't happen easily either but require time and patience and effort and fighting battles there may be setbacks well so it is with prayer prayer is a tool again God gives us to get things created or to get things born again to get things fixed to get things established to get things strengthened and renewed to get things solved prayer is a gift God gives us to discover how to use it you know um Churches need to use prayer to say, God, help us to, help, help us to glorify you. Help us to glorify you in our lives as we go out amongst people who don't know you. Amen. I've come to see that often our biggest hindrance, listen, our biggest roadblock in practicing meaningful, effective prayer is this thing right here between our ears. Listen to me, everybody. This is the biggest hindrance right here in hindering a road and roadblocking prayer from happening. It's this thing between our ears. It's our, our, our prayer is hindered by wrong thinking. It's hindered by wrong perspectives. It is hindered by wrong thinking. It's so important that we cultivate the right thinking in the Lord. Because if you have the wrong thinking, the devil will block you every time from wanting to pray or for practicing prayer. If prayer seems like a 
huge mountain to climb. Ask the Lord to show you how your thinking is muddled, how your thinking is off. You know, if you come to prayer and say, I just don't want to do it, Lord. Maybe the thing you need to say, Lord, why am I so muddled today? What's wrong with my thinking? What's wrong with my perspective here on prayer? I recall teaching a strategetic years ago or uh, that is many years ago, but it shows that how our, um, how our thinking either inspires us or hinders us. This cool little strategetic uh, model, it went something like this. It was called the two-shoe salesman. The two-shoe salesman. And in the late 1800s, there were two shoe salesmen, uh, two, excuse me, two, two shoe salesmen, that's hard to say, two shoe salesmen from North, North America. They arrived in Africa to sell shoes for their company. Upon arriving, one salesman was discouraged. And he wired home for money, said, send me money to come home. Nobody wears shoes here. The other salesman, he, uh, he was excited. He wired his home office and he said, send 200 pairs of shoes in various sizes as soon as possible. No one wears shoes here. Two different perspectives cause two different actions, two different in, you know, emotions as well. One guy was discouraged, nobody wears shoes. Another guy was saying, nobody wears shoes. What an opportunity. You see, the ones, I think the devil uses those wrong perspectives to block prayer in our lives. He really does. And we need to ask God, you know, our, well, our mind is, is where the biggest spiritual battle is. A wrong perspective is what the devil and the world uses to hinder us practicing prayer. I believe a big struggle you and I have with prayer is when we are conditioned by our Western culture with this addiction, listen to me, to activity. Now, all of us are, are victims of this. Uh, you know, to not be bored has become a constitutional right in many people's minds. You know, it's, it's not constitutional. I, don't have, there, I have a right to be active all the time and busy, and I have a right to be happy about it and in control and not falling apart, right? Um, our present cell phone internet technology, which was unknown 25 years ago the way it is now, but... Um, with unlimited data and ease of access to instant information has created a spiritual virus which is now known as quote-unquote hurry sickness. We all have had it. Hurry sickness. It's called hurry sickness. It affects everyone who uses communication technology today and the internet. It affects everyone, young and old, ministers and laity. Hurry sickness is that inward pressure that you've, you've got lots of important things to do and prayer is slowing you down from doing the important things. Amen, Pastor. Yeah, I know. I know. I have hurry sickness. I confess. This is, this is con- con- confession this morning. I get hurry, hurry sickness too. Let me say it again. It's that inward pressure. It's that inward feeling that you've got lots of important things to do and prayer is slowing you down from doing that important stuff that needs doing. Yeah, you've opened your Bible and you begin reading, but your mind just keeps drifting to what 
you need to get done by a certain time today. You can't even remember what you read. And, and then when you get to prayer, uh, it's, even, it's, 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 it's even worse. Uh, you, you feel this pressure to hurry up and tell God how much you love him, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? You wish you could be done and get on with the important things of the day. Someone has said you can be externally quiet and internally noisy. Externally quiet, but internally you're all noisy or utterly alone and yet still completely preoccupied. You know, we simply have to recognize that while there are occasions that hurry is unavoidable, if allowed, let me tell you something. We have to admit this. If you allow hurry to be a continual activity in your life, it'll kill your love for God. That's how serious this is. It'll kill your love for God and for other people too. If you allow hurry to dominate you, it'll kill your love for God and your love for other people. You just cannot love very well when you're in a hurry. Love and hurry cannot hold hands. They don't hold hands together. John Ortberg wrote this. He said, love always takes time and time is the one thing hurried people don't have. <laughs> that is true, isn't it? Love always takes time and, and time is the one thing hurried people just don't have. Hurried people are impatient and they get angry easy. They get angry easy. They're nervous. They find it hard to listen and actually be present with other people. And, uh, but the task for hurried people is always more important than the person. I'm speaking to myself today. I, I am. You can talk to my, I mean, confession time. You can talk to Becky. Now, I, I struggle with this. I mean, I ask the Lord, Lord, help me to, to not... You know, Becky used to say, honey, can we do something other than work? <laughs> can, we, can we go like away? Can we go do, can, let's take the kids and go, go away. Let's do something. A, but there's work to be done, you know. Uh, there's, uh, I, so I'm preaching myself today too. But like, like I said, they're, they're nervous. They find it hard to listen. They, they, the task is more important than the person. Relationships become something to endure. And they're merely distractions. Ouch. The people are merely distractions. And the, the task is more important. It doesn't mean you can't be busy. Uh, being busy and hurried are two different things. Listen. Busyness and being hurried are two different things. Some, sometimes we just try to cram too much into our schedules. We just try to put too much in there. We're, we're not good at, at, at planning, so we just put too much in the schedule, and then we're all out of whack. We're all cattywampus. You know what I mean? That's a great word. You can, I don't know how to spell it, but it's great. Um, yeah, we, we, we just, you know, we go to bed too late. We, go, we, we get up too late. And the uh, first thing to go is our alone time with our, hev our Heavenly Father. And um, we just don't have a normal daily routine. Uh, normalizing a daily routine is, is good advice. We need to n normalize our daily routine. You know, Jesus was busy, but he never was hurried. It's interesting. He was never hurried. He was never disconnected from his father, or he was never uninterested in people. 
I'm amazed. He's, can be, he could be exhausted at times. People would still come to him and he'd still take care of them and, and do some marvelous things with, with them. He never was too busy for people. Uh, Jesus saw prayer as helping him normalize his day. He prayed in the morning and he prayed at night, but it seems like we have more times recorded, particularly by the book of Luke, by Luke. Uh, he, he prayed in the morning. Uh, as a result, Jesus, he was busy, but he wasn't hurried because he began the day with allowing his heavenly father to help him normalize his day. He was able to put his schedule in the Father's hands and not be a slave to it. I recently learned that there's a difference between fatigue and uh, depletion. Something I never knew before. This is really interesting. That There's a difference between fatigue and depletion. Fatigue applies to your mind and body. Depletion applies to your emotions and your spiritual state, your soul. You get that? Fatigue applies to your mind and to your body. You know, your mind gets tired, your body gets tired. But depletion applies to your emotions. Or your emotions, you're, you're strung out. You're ready to collapse. You're ready to scream. You know, your emotions are, are depleted and your, and your spiritual state is depleted too. Your self-control, you're, you're at the end of your rope. You know, you can be both fatigued and depleted, but let me, let me tell you, one leads to the other. And each one requires a different remedy or a different antidote. Fatigue of your body and mind can be treated with rest and relaxation. You need a day off. You need a vacation. You need the time to re-strengthen your body and refresh your mind. However, depletion, however, requires the restoration of what has been depleted and that is more serious. That requires replenishment. We need to be replenished by the Lord. We need just to take time with Him and say, Lord, I'm out of gas. I'm impatient. I'm nervous. I get angry with people. I'm holding it in. <sighs> Something's wrong with me. And you need to be replenished by the Lord. And activity can be that hurried thing. It, it can be like a monotonous hamster's wheel. And without being replenished in our spirits by a connection of being alone with the Heavenly Father, you will soon become depleted. Not taking time for prayer. You will become depleted. And your soul will be a desert. And you will... You haven't denied the faith. You haven't denied, you know, who Jesus is. But you don't feel very Christian at all. Because you're just depleted. You need to be refreshed. You need to be with Him. You need to have fellowship with Him. You need to be in His presence. Your soul feels numb. You're, you become discouraged. God seems distant. His love even further away from you. You've stepped into the enemy's trap. Into His little noose that he's got for you and you may feel like you're again you're out of control you're broken you're burnt out but it's good to recognize depletion it's good to recognize hurried sickness you'll you'll come to your senses and you you see you must take some unhurried time you must take that and with your heavenly father confess your failures 
Confess your sin and allow allow Him to replenish your soul with His wonderful, graceful presence and learn the rhythms of being replenished daily to glorify Him with your schedule. Well, our prayer experience as we wind down here, our prayer experience grows out of a healthy, growing relationship with your Heavenly Father, particularly understanding how your Heavenly Father's His love is so faithful to you. And when you're alone with Him, with His Word, and when you just take time, again, all the things we've been learning about prayer, take time to actually do it. You'll find that He's faithful, that He is, he'll, it works, that He wants to fellowship with you too. And you'll learn that nothing can ever separate you from His love. Amen? Nothing. You need to learn to believe this, loved ones. Romans 8, 38, that for I'm convinced that Paul says, neither death nor life, angels nor demons, nor present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. So Paul's covering everything there, isn't he? Spiritual as well as physical things. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And again, surprisingly, even with all the talk of God's love, there's still a lot of God's kids, God's children, who don't show that. That, that, that type of connection with your Heavenly Father. That, that's not their emotional experience with the Heavenly Father. Dr. Busick writes about an incident, our general superintendent writes about an incident that occurred with a clergyman from Detroit who went to visit some relatives in Ireland on an early morning walk with his 80-year-old uncle along the shores of Lake Kil- Kilnarney. Um, the nephew noticed that although they weren't talking, his uncle couldn't stop smiling. And again, his 80-year-old uncle. Uncle Seamus, you look very happy this morning. How, how come? To which the old Scotsman replied gleefully, You know, the father of Jesus is very fond of me. Loved ones, you need to discover that. Heavenly Father is very fond of you. I mean, you may not believe it this morning, but He is. You need to believe it. And the only way you can believe it is by, of course, seeking Him through His Word and taking time to be alone with Him. His Spirit will tell you. And when His Spirit convinces you, when His Spirit speaks something to your heart, that's enough to convince your emotions what the truth is. The Father of Jesus is very fond of you today. When the truth really settles in on your spirit and then you grab with your faith, grab onto it, it becomes real to you. And you discover there's no need anymore to be self-focused or doubtful about God anymore. You begin seeing your Heavenly Father that He loves you as much as He loves Jesus. That He loves you as much as He loves Jesus. And that He lavishly pours the same love upon you us, upon you, upon me, that he has for his son from all eternity. Isn't that a wonder? Isn't that a wonder? And then you'll begin to take down all those false images in your mind of your heavenly father off the wall of your mind, those pictures of critical, harsh, over-demanding God who always crushes your spirit and discourages your prayers. So again, don't get off track. Thinking that prayer is, you know, is, you know, prayer is not what saves us. You know, it's our faith in Jesus Christ that saves us. Prayer is just the tool 
that we use to make a connection to God. Amen? And again, it, it grows with you. As you grow, it's kind of like a kind of like one time I remember when I was beginning in ministry, an old professor told me I, I was he I was talking about my library. And back in those days we actually had books. <laughs> there was actually books on the shelf. And um I'm talking about how I need to get more books. I need to get more books in my library, Doctor. Dr. Carter. Dr. Carter said, Oh David, he said, your books grow with you. As you grow, your books will grow. And that's the way it is with prayer, loved ones. As we grow spiritually, our prayer life grows too. Our prayer life grows. Well, Lord, um, we pray today as we close today, we pray that, that uh, you'll help us to unlearn these wrong perspectives about prayer. Help us to take stock with our schedules to not get trapped bound with this hurried sickness to not see things as more important than you or people or tasks more important than our love for our sons or daughters or our grandkids or our moms or dads Lord I pray you'll help us to again that you'll replenish our souls as we take time to be with you that you'll teach us You'll change our hearts. You'll change our emotions, oh God. That we won't wrestle with coming before you because we have this harsh image about you. Even when we've fallen or failed over and over again, we'll know what the Word says, that we can approach you, Lord, and in submission, knowing that you are willing with wide open arms to receive us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we'll always be learning, I know, new, new things. But we pray that you will help us, oh God. Help us to break through these barriers that are keeping us from experiencing the, the power of relationship that you want us to have through Jesus, your Son, with you. Your Son tried to convince us the best he could that you're not like a sleepy neighbor who doesn't care or an unjust judge who, who um, doesn't care about us either. But you're just the opposite. That you're ready to help us quickly. That you're ready to hear our... Father, we pray today that as we leave, pray that these words through our hearts, through our minds throughout this day, and that you will help us to change. Amen. Amen.